Welcome back to our continued studies in the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans 1, starting at verse 18. In just a moment, the Apostle Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to Christians in Rome. He expressed his love for them, reminded them of their call to be saints, said he wanted to visit them for their mutual encouragement, and then Paul affirmed the proposition of the book of Romans. The gospel of Christ is the power God uses to save sinners, and this power is applied by individuals through the obedience of faith. But why do people need to be saved? That question is answered as we continue in Romans chapter 1 at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of gossip, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree 
that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is the problem God solves in Christ. And in a word, that problem is sin. This passage identifies the problem in the human race. It shows how God is offended by our misbehavior. Paul makes it clear there is no excuse for sin. And where's all this headed? He's taking us toward the conclusion that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and there's only one solution to the problem, and that is the salvation God offers in Christ. Let's look through this text and see what the problem is in a detailed indictment. I want, you, I want you to look into the text and see these words. Ungodliness, unrighteousness, suppressing the truth, ingratitude, futility of thought, foolishness, uncleanness, lust, all manner of sexual immorality, covetousness, gossip, disobedient to parents, hateful, on and on. This is about something really simple, but really horrible. God created us, gave us minds and bodies and companions and blessings. He asked us to live according to his standard of thought and conduct. Not one of us can honestly say that we've done that from the earliest point of our existence and our accountability until now. Even if we are Christians now, and we're doing our best today, we have sin in our history. We have no perfect record of behavior that we can depend upon to get us to heaven. So this passage in Romans 1 is about the human problem, which is sin. This is why God gave a plan of salvation to save us from our choices to sin against him. Now, it is not that every one of us have committed every sin listed here. There may be several bad behaviors here you have never considered, I've never considered, would never do, and that we've always found to be repulsive, like murder, or hating God. But before we take comfort in that, there are certainly some sins in this list we've been guilty of. Did you ever disobey your parents? I did. Did you ever neglect to be thankful to God? Have you ever told a lie? Have you enter, ever entertained some envy at some level? What about boasting or being unforgiving? We're all here somewhere in this lengthy indictment against human beings. Paul will later say in his grand conclusion that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is our problem. Now, I want you to also look into the passage and see 
how offended God is by our sin. Notice not just the reality and description of our sin, but how offended God is by it. And that goes to this. God cares about us. And so when we ignore him and push him aside and violate his standard, he is upset. Now, it, it is not being upset like human anger out of control. It's called wrath. Verse 18 begins, <clears throat> the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. God has always made it known that he's not pleased with the sin of man. Through prophets and judgments and revelations, God has spoken to inform man he is not pleased. Now, one thing God could do is just restrain us and force us to do what's right. Not only does he not do that, he doesn't want robots. There are statements here that God lets men who are depraved continue in their sin and suffer the consequences. Three times in this passage, Paul says, God gave them over, gave them up to practice their vile passions. God could force us to do right, or he could strike everyone dead at the first sign of any sin. So God is upset, but he wants people to change, to repent, to turn from their sin. He wants that so much, he gave his only begotten son. What we should understand is God loves us and cares for us. <clears throat> and so when we act against him and against ourselves by engaging in sin, we displease him. So in this passage, there is a detailed indictment of our sin described by a number of words and phrases, and we are all there somewhere. And there's also the expression of God's righteous decree of his wrath against sin. There's a third area of study I wanted to bring up from the text. Man is without excuse. In Romans 1, I want you to listen again to verses 18 through 21. 18 through 21. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, and they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. I want you to listen to some of the language in this passage, clearly seen, understood. Although they knew God, they became futile and became fools. 
So the last phrase in verse 20 says, they are without excuse. Sinners are without excuse. God has made himself known to humankind through natural evidence and revelation of scripture. <coughs> Sinners cannot claim that they had no way of knowing. We can look around and see evidence of God's existence everywhere. And then we can learn his will through his revelation. No excuse. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. No excuse. So this passage in Romans 1, 18 to 32, serves this primary purpose. It is a detailed indictment of our problem, specifying why we need the gospel and why God's wrath moves against such behavior. We are, each one of us, somewhere here in Romans 1, 18 through 32 at least in our past, and this is why we need to hear, believe, and obey the gospel and continue to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some details in the text we might have time to explore now. His invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. God's existence and power can be seen and known and understood by the things that are made. The universe, the components and elements of life, the human mind and body, things that we experience and touch and see and use, give evidence that God is and that he has power that we do not have. He is the creator. We are the created. Thus, we ought to live according to his instructions. It says, they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful. One definitive move away from God is to not treat him as God and to not be thankful to him, not praise and worship him. Sinners become involved in the world of self-interest and eventually ignore God's power and existence and God's claim of sovereignty over them. And this says one of the steps into this depravity is not being thankful. This degeneration reaches a place where verse 25 says the creature is worshiped rather than the creator. The sin of homosexuality, widespread, promoted in our society today, vividly described in verses 26 and 27. It is so clearly revealed in Genesis what God's intention is for intimate human companionship between husband and wife. Homosexuality is a perversion of that. It is error which deserves a penalty, Paul says. Romans 1, 29 through 30 is one of the more specific descriptions of sin you can find anywhere in scripture. It takes, it takes in sins of attitude and thought and a variety of typical misbehaviors like gossip and malice and envy and disobedient to parents. Paul doesn't leave much out here. In fact, <coughs> there are comprehensive statements here which are generic 
and can be defined elsewhere in principle. Evil-mindedness, proud, undiscerning. This is why we need the gospel. I want you to notice this, that Mark Roberts brought up in his recent book that he wrote on the book of Romans, a companion to help us understand it. Mark said, in this list, Paul addresses murder with one word, but he spends four verses on homosexuality. It was a problem then. It is a problem today when God is rejected. Sin is our problem. God is offended. There is no excuse. The gospel is the only answer. Thank you for being with us in this study.